Kia ora and welcome to this week's episode. We have a very awesome guest on the show today. She is so knowledgeable and honestly is like a breath of fresh air. You can hear the banter between us and just the giggles throughout the whole episode. Today we are talking about helping you to upgrade your career. We are stripping it right back, discussing CVs, cover letters, how you can uh, position yourself when wanting to change industries, all of the different terminology specifically the AI that is in place of HR departments right now when it comes to hiring at a lot of bigger organizations, which is so insightful to know. I didn't even know any of this. So you are going to learn a lot in this episode. Uh, You're probably going to want to listen to it more than once as well and really pause, take notes, and then go and apply all of the elements that you are learning, specifically if you are wanting to upgrade your career and even have a go at changing industries as well. So I did the best I could to ask any questions that might be in your mind. So fingers crossed you get a lot of value out of today's episode. I look forward to hearing in the DMs everything that you think about it. I'm Janelle Hosking and you beautiful are here to get confident. No more self-doubt, no more overthinking, no more what ifs. I'm helping you grow your confidence so you can live a fulfilled life. Welcome to the show. Divya, I'm so happy to have you on the show today. When you reached out to me after I had the LinkedIn episode with Ritu a few weeks back, you connected with me on Instagram and I was like, this chick is amazing. And you know, you and I have had a few calls since then and it just blows my mind the power of the internet and how quickly you can connect with someone say on a platform like Instagram and then they can become a connection, you know, or become a a friend, even though you haven't actually met them in person. How amazing is that? It's incredible. It's incredible. I found it through um, Ritu's Instagram. Yes, I saw that she did a podcast with her. I was like, okay, this is cool. This is the first time I've seen somebody um, from from New Zealand on podcast and, you know, doing a podcast. I mean, there are multiple people doing a podcast, of course, (laughs) but I haven't, they haven't really, um, I haven't, I don't listen to people from New Zealand for podcasts because, you know, there are many American ones and, you know, all around the world. However, I found you on Instagram. I was like, this is quite interesting because me being an employability and resume coach and you being a career confidence coach, this sort of goes hand in hand. And I was like, okay, I need to talk to her. Let's see how she's doing. And maybe she wants to come on my Instagram live. And then you invited (laughs) me for a podcast. So we're doing this now. We're committed. (laughs) We are indeed. So what I always do to get started with an episode is we do a this or that. So literally I give you a few different options and then you have to choose the thing that is most like you. Are you ready for it? Awesome. Go, Go for it. Perfect. Okay. Would you rather a bad haircut or bad eyebrows? Haircut. Guacamole or salsa? Salsa. Coffee or tea? Tea. Oh my gosh. Do you drink coffee at all? I do drink coffee, but if I'm given chai, Indian tea, I will choose it any day over coffee. Oh, yum. I've never tried one of those. You have to, I have to come up to Auckland and try one with you. Um, do you like cooking or being cooked for? Being cooked for. I do not cook. My lovely Don't you? Hey, Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. What is your favorite dish that he makes you? Oh my God. Okay. He makes these amazing, um, I didn't get the name, these noodles because he's Asian. So he makes yeah. these amazing noodles with oyster sauce, with chicken thighs and some other things. I don't, can't, I remember. But last night he made an amazing meal. So he made 
uh, brie pinwheel with bread for ciabatta bread. He made pork belly roasted. He cured it for like oh. he cured it for like twelve hours. Cooked it for like four. Uh, pork belly with roasted mushrooms and um, some beans. And uh, then I had some Uncle Tetsu's cheesecake. So I had a really big night last night. Wow. <laughs> okay, straight off the bat, how <laughs> lucky are we, or let's say how deserving are we? Because in my relationship, my partner also does most of the cooking, and it is just such a dream. And I have to say to him after every meal, like, thank you so much for taking the responsibility of cooking because there's actually so much time to it in terms of, you know, like we plan most of the meals together at the start of the week saying, this is what we're going to do this week for meals. But then it still takes a lot of effort to go and prepare those ingredients to say, do the curing. If that's something that has to happen 12 hours in advance to do the prep and then to actually like do the cooking and serve it all up. So I am always so grateful because it means that I get to work for longer or, you know, like do other things while he in a way sacrifices time to be in the kitchen cooking. And I'm just like, Oh, I honestly am so happy that I have you, you know, and I'm sure you feel the same knowing that if you're not a cook your lovely partner does it for you yeah and it's not really conventional in because I'm Indian right mm. and he is Singaporean Chinese so in both of our cultures it's not very common for men to take that responsibility in the yeah. household I'm not speaking for all Indians out there so do not yeah, no, of course. my Instagram and how rude <laughs> we being sexist you know but in general like where I come from um so I'm from Delhi but I come from a very traditional household and mm. usually men and women like my, my parents both are business people like you know business mm. women businessmen but usually how it works in Indian or Chinese household is the woman takes advantage of the food and stuff and but it is quite the opposite and um yeah. it's not because I can't cook it's because no, same. he cooks better same <laughs> absolutely same <laughs> and also oh. he loves cooking it's his therapy and um yeah that's what supports me and I and it's amazing how your partner supports you in a business because that just gives you another extra 20 minutes so I guess respond to emails and just sort of decompress for the day and get ready for the table. Yeah. yeah I try really hard when I can to like go out into the lounge and just spend time with him while he's in the kitchen cooking that that's if I can otherwise I'm in the office and then he's like dinner's ready and I'm thinking oh my god I'm so lucky you know so anyway last one do you prefer to work from the office or work from home both so um, sometimes I get lazy work from home, right? But work from office, I actually go in and I'm sitting there. And I luckily, I am probably the luckiest person that I have a really positive work environment. And I love the people I work with. Yeah. And I love my job. Um, yeah. And it's not my dream job, but it's it's a job that I love. And there's a big difference about that. And um, and because FYI, dream jobs don't exist. I'm telling you, people, dream yeah. jobs do not exist. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I like both. So I like a mixture um, mm. because then that way sort of you, you know, you have a, um, I guess, a di- different shift in your day-to-day routine and you get to go in. Um, and I like that. I feel like I'm productive both. If I'm completely work from home, then it's going to be a bit difficult to be productive. Mm. Mm-hmm. I love that. And so just to be clear, you are full-time employed and you have a business. You are an employability coach. And that's a, exactly what we're talking about today. Because I feel like with me, career confidence coaching, helping women to get to this place where they feel really confident in their career, whether that's what they're doing right now 
or leading them on this journey of getting where they want to go, right? And something that I've been noticing a lot lately, particularly with my one-on-one clients, but then also just with women in my community, is that they are really wanting to level up and put their skills to use within another organization. And that with that comes a lot of new experiences um, and new learnings around things like CV creation, cover letters, um, putting your best foot forward right through to actually being in an interview. So I thought that once you and I connected, oh my goodness, I was like, I have to get Divya on the show because you have just got a wealth of knowledge. And, you know, I just wanted to pick your brains and ideally have the lovely lady at home be able to listen to this episode and then walk away feeling like you know what I can go upgrade my CV now I can go and apply for those jobs and I can go smash those interviews because that is what my heart is feeling called to do so let's start with CV I have a client right now who has been working on her CV she's really wanting to change industries so you know university qualification uh, she's been doing that work for the past few years and now she wants to change she has no idea what she wants to change too. She just doesn't want to do work within what she's qualified to do. And so she's been spending some time upgrading her CV. And you probably noticed this as well, is it's really easy to procrastinate actually being out there and applying for jobs because you're trying to create this perfect CV. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I also don't think the perfect CV exists because it's different for every single person. We've all got different skills, different everything that we're trying to highlight on this one to two page thing. What would you say are the most important things that you need to include in your CV so that we can just get them out there and stop procrastinating by trying to make this perfect CV? So there are a couple of things. The most Mm. important thing is, uh, number one is you need to understand that 90% of the time your CV is getting read by a robot, which is applicant tracking system, which is a hiring software because hiring software helps expedite the recruitment process. Hiring software helps them save on hiring multiple HRs or... Um, in turn, so 90% of the time, if you're applying, it's getting read by a robot, including oh if you apply through LinkedIn or even apply through Indeed. So you need to make sure a number one is, is your resume format ATS or hiring software friendly? That means that if you go online and if you find a free CV format, so let's say Canva.com has a mm. lot of CVs. It's a free editing app for graphic designers and stuff. Yeah, it's beautiful. Or yeah. a Photoshop CV. That is of the time not going to go through the ATS because it has so many um, elements such as like those cute little fonts and like Mm, these circles mm. and it looks pretty. What looks pretty would not go through hiding software because a robot can only read words. So you need to make sure it has ATS friendly. So either you can use a simple word template. A lot of times people think the word template are boring and they look like Mm. black and white and I want to send my CV like that. So either you could use a word template which is safer or actually invest and maybe buy like a ATS resume template for for like maybe five ten dollars online, which is should be word templates. If somebody's saying that how this hey this is like a ATS friendly resume and you can make your resume on this software and it'll give you a PDF then well you can't really edit the PDF in the future right no. you need to make sure you have an editable word format yes. which is ATS friendly which I am launching again I launched last year actually and I sold out around like 200 templates and now I'm bringing back again a new line in Amazing. April so low-key marketing but <laughs> friendly um, resume templates and if somebody wants it I do give out free templates as well if people request so if you wow. just like somebody like DM me hey I need your free template I can give my my free template as well but investing is really important it might be like ten dollars or fifteen dollars but what what will do is you get it for life right and it's a, mm. and just make sure it's a word template 
Point two. So the second thing you need to do is after having an ATS friendly resume template is, is the information in your resume matching the job description? What I mean by that is you shouldn't copy paste the entire job description, okay. put it in white color so nobody can see it because ultimately the, the CV is going to be, I guess, screened by a recruiter, right? And he'll be able to see it. Because what applicant tracking system do is they create a similarity report. So the job description says something and maybe you match 80% similarity or 85% similarity. And that means you're a good match as per mm -hmm. ATS. So 85% or up similarity is really good um, considered as a potential candidate. Okay. Um, but you shouldn't copy paste the entire job description, but read the requirements section, mm -hmm. read the responsibilities section and see what they require of you and what you'll be doing, can you put that in your CV some way or the other? And that is how you nail um, the, how that, that is how you beat the hiring software system. Mm -hmm. And that's how you nail um, the shortlisting process. The other thing I always tell people, which is, I'm sure you must have seen on my Instagram, my viral cut the crap <laughs> series every Monday that I post. And I post skills because also another good way of reaching that similarity on ATS is the skill section. So mm -hmm. I'm not talking about the technical skills. I'm talking about the interpersonal skills. So a lot of time what people do is people focus so much on technical skills that I know SAP, mm -hmm. I know CRM, I know mm -hmm. Word, I know spreadsheets, etc. They really forget those interpersonal skills like say colder management, maybe customer relationship management, conflict resolution, escalation management. And it's really important you put those skills. So Good number is 10 to 12 interpersonal skills minimum on your skills section. Wow. Now, with that being said, I mean, I would absolutely love for you guys to go and watch my Cut the Crab series and get the skills mm, out because I sure. post um, industry-specific skills as well. However, that does not mean that you don't explain those skills in the work experience section. You can put a good skill section, but you need to explain how you have those skills through examples in your work experience section. Yes. So the third fourth point I would say would be work experience section mm -hmm. where you shouldn't write day to day that I you know I photocopied stuff or <laughs> or or like I'm, I'm an engineer right so I could say mm -hmm. like you know I review drawings well mm -hmm. that's part of my job description there's nothing new I'm doing right mm -hmm. so I wouldn't write that in my CV instead I would say recommended the idea of solving xyz problem with the help of blah 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 software through in-depth research right mm -hmm. so I'm saying what I recommended because I recommended that through my through my um, problem solving engineering problem yes. solving I recommended through my analytical skills I recommended that through my research um, researching skills so really important you give examples of how you recommended something you innovated something you streamlined something you expedited something you resolved something and give examples of when you did that and how you did that mm -hmm. so really good method is the star method which we use in interviews Situation, okay. action, result, star, which is what you did or what was the problem? What was your role? What was your recommendation to solve it? And what was the result? For example, I would say streamline the process of RC approvals through a comprehensive Excel file, thereby causing a productivity increase of 50%. Mm -hmm. Easy. So really yeah. important, you use the STAR method in every sentence of your work experience. Okay. So if you cannot use the STAR method, let's say there might be something like you're reviewing drugs or you're talking to people on the call, well, don't mention that. 
instead talk about how you manage major escalations, you know, on major clients or major stakeholders. Mm -hmm. So really important, you try to streamline your work experience section as much as possible by giving the star method, by giving things that you um, resolved or uh, recommended or spearheaded, and Mm -hmm. also mention some numerics. ATS loves numbers. (laughs) And, and, and recruiters too, because numbers are a way of quantifying your skill set. Mm. So if you tell me you streamline product by 50%, that makes me more interested as a recruiter as opposed to something like, I just did this. Because mm. then I ask you, and how did you streamline product by 50%? Mm. And then actually give example. And in that way, the recruiter can comprehend your skill set and see if you match the role that they're um that they're um, looking, the, the, the role, basically, the potential mm, candidate. Mm, and mm. also the recruiter can also see that you're a, a results-driven person, that you deliver. And that's what they're looking for people, people who are able to deliver, get their, you know, get their hands up and be like, hey, yeah. ask this problem that you have in your business. Yeah. So that's the, the fourth thing I would say. And the fifth thing would be your personal summary, which is the very top part of your CV, where it should not be too long. A lot of mm. problem I see a lot of people make here um, in New Zealand, Australia, in their CVs is they write a paragraph of personal summary. And the whole paragraph is driven by I am this and I'm a results driven and I have a proven track record of, um, you know, expanding businesses. When yeah. you write I as a starting, it doesn't catch someone's attention. Mm. And I always tell people, I is a no-no when you start your personal summary. Mm-hmm. Instead, you explain yourself, like who you are through your skill set and your strengths. So for example, um, oh my God, I should have remembered to bring my CV here. But <laughs> one of my clients, if I when I wrote um, their CV, I mentioned um, results-driven and customer-focused customer representative, you know, whatever manager with 15 plus years of experience delivering X, Y, and Z. So it's like third person. Mm. Third person Mm. and two, three skills at the starting of the sentence, write what you deliver. How do you, how businesses solve their problems? Mm -hmm. That's better than than I have. And then you can later go saying, I'm looking for roles such as such such and such and so. Really important. Personal summary is like your elevator pitch. If the first thing that even I and recruiters read in a personal summary, reading a CV is your personal summary. So if your personal summary is weak, it's not going to make them interested to read your CV. And remember, mm. even when I shortlist people um, for my business or for others, I literally put a six, seven, second, second, six seconds, oh God, ugh, six seconds timer to see if I can skim the CV in six seconds and get to know and be impressed by the person I'm wow. going to Wow. So now it's a six second timer and some recruiters are even more experienced than that. And they were just looking at their CV a glance. They'll know whether you're the right candidate or not. So it is mind blowing. That is insane. And okay. What's that software called that you said with the, like the robot or the AI? Yeah. It's called applicant tracking system. Okay. So ATS. Yes. Can you, I guess, give an overview on what types of organizations or what size organizations might be using this platform. So for me, for instance, in any of the 
companies that I've been part of when we've been hiring people, we've always just had it go to like the operations person within the organization. Mm. It is, I've never heard of that software until I connected with you. And I think this is just mind blowing. So if you could share some insight, because I feel like, you know, for somebody listening, they might be thinking like, oh my gosh, does that apply to my industry? Or does that apply to the organization that I'm wanting to apply for? And also, would you then cater your CV to be different based on um, companies you think are using this software or companies that have a real life person yeah. or is it just the same type of CV? Yeah. Good question. Okay. So hiring software is used by majority of the companies in New Zealand. So let's say councils. Mm-hmm. They have ATS. It's called, I think it's called talent recruitment. So ATS is like from different companies. It might just have a different yeah. name. Yeah, but the software that. is pretty much the same. Hayes okay. uses it. Um, okay. um, the, the council that I'm working in use it as well. Um, KPMG, EY, Deloitte, all the big 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 companies big fours whatever they use it fletcher's higgins cpv all of these companies because it's cheap it's not that expensive for them logistically speaking even um linkedin has its own ats um because linkedin has that linkedin recruiter um, right as a recruiter so that has ats as well um um indeed indeed indeed.com has ats so when i hire for my company i usually post jobs on indeed and indeed actually for a paid subscription indeed has an ats that will give you a recommendation this is a good candidate this is not a good candidate so i wouldn't even Mm. open that profile if indeed ats says it's not a good candidate because Mm. that robot matches the job description 70 percent of mid-sized companies also use ADS. So for example, the warehouse group or like supermarkets. 100%. Countdown will have it. um, New World, uh, Warehouse, Kmart, all of that. Uh, uh, Even Cotton On would have it. Zara's if you're going in retail. But a Sterling Sports, another way to test if the company is using ATS is, so let's say you go on LinkedIn, right? Mm. And it says apply for the job now. I'm not talking about the easy apply button, people. I'm talking about apply now button. So mm-hmm. if you guys actually are on your phone and you're not driving, pull, pull out your LinkedIn now, go in the jobs and type whatever, communications mm-hmm. advisor or whatever, mm-hmm. and go to any jobs. And if it says apply now, and in when you click that apply now button, if it takes you to an external website mm-hmm. and asks you to sign up, that's ATS. Okay. The easiest way to know is that is ATS because you can you'll be asked to make an account basically. Mm. Okay, super fascinating. If you're applying for a real small mom and dad business that might be like under 10 staff, it's just one local outfit, you know that a person's going to be reading that. Are there any differences from the first five points that you shared or is it the same across the board in terms of having the best CV? It's pretty much going to be the same. You, you cool. shouldn't change your CV. I, I always tell people strive for hiring software because mm. hiring software is harder to crack than a human being, right? Cool. Okay. But still use the same um five points that i've mentioned to make mm. you see because even a person let's say even if like you're recruiting let's say Janelle, and for example you might have 20 30 50 cv you're gonna be overwhelmed right so mm. you wouldn't be reading every single sentence no way. what you would do is you would probably read the person summary and get a gist of whether the cv whether you should go forward reading mm. the cv, mm. CV right? so what i would say is if you're maybe applying 
straight away to maybe like a mom and dad business or a startup perfect that person summary as much as you can perfection yeah. doesn't exist but try to make it good because <laughs> that will form that premises of whether they read your cv further down or not yeah okay cool next part personal summary and a cover letter same thing, different thing. A cover letter is still a thing or where are we at with all of that? Because my perception or I guess my experience of what's worked for me in the past is I usually have a CV that highlights my skills, my interpersonal, my work experience. And that usually stays the same unless I update my skills or I learn new things or I've gone to a new company. But the cover letter changes depending on the role being applied for. So is that still a thing or a cover letter is no more? Oh, cover letter is definitely a thing. And especially okay. in New Zealand. I mm. remember one time I talked to this recruiter from Downa and he's like, I don't even read the CV. I just read the cover letter because that just tells me if they've put an effort in or not. Because yeah. cover letter shows how much effort you've put in. Yeah. Cover letter is basically a, a long elevator pitch. Mm. Um, it should be one page. Again, choose an ATS friendly format. Don't go for these Canva Photoshop templates, I would say, because it's still going to go through the hiring software. Mm. Um, but in that cover letter, you shouldn't write, I'm hardworking, I'm a good decision maker, I am this, I am that. Again, that I part, yes, you should write, I have. Instead, you should say, I have developed my expertise in mm. XYZ area through mm. managing projects of maybe $5 million, right? So make sure you still make your cover letter numerical. Another mm -hmm. part that I always make sure when I'm writing cover letters for clients, I'm teaching cover letters in my webinars, is the hook. So the, the hook is your first paragraph, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure your first paragraph details, so like a person summary, gives a brief description of about you, just enough for the person to keep reading. And mm -hmm. also it showcases your passion. So for example, let's say you wanted to be an air hostess, right? Mm -hmm. And you wanted to be an air hostess because one of my clients wanted to, and she wanted to be an air hostess in New Zealand because the first time she traveled to New Zealand was an air New Zealand and her as a nine-year-old baby right wow so that was her hook of why she wants to be an air hostess with me in new zealand and that's what we're looking for why it's memorable. yes so you have mm. to ask three questions to yourself why this industry what's your passion when did you get interested in this what sparked that curiosity in maybe mm. you know it, you know in um and let's say i'm a civil engineer what sparked my curiosity right mm. and the third thing is give a brief of your education or your work experience background. So let's say if you're a recent graduate, you would say, I'm a recent graduate with master's in marketing from University of Auckland, which specializes in X, Y, and Z areas. And mm. when you say X, Y, and Z areas, you want to link it to their business of the problems they're solving. So for example, yes. you might have done marketing and you might have studied everything, right? But that business that you're applying is a product-based business. Let's say you're mm. applying and they're selling hand washes or dishwashers. So you will talk about product campaigns, product management, um, content, you know, organic content creation. So try to link your topics you've studied in uni to their business. Yes. And if you're somebody who's already in the industry, such as myself, I would say I am. I have maybe five years of work experience as a civil engineer dealing in wastewater construction, et cetera, et cetera, whatever fields that are more related to their business. Yes. So elevator pitch, 
should have these three things in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, cover letter should have these three things in it. <laughs> <laughs> that is wonderful. And I'm glad that it kind of validates the experience that I've had. Of, like mm-hmm. your CV, it was relatively straightforward and st- stays the same unless you improve or you go to different organizations. Um, but your cover letter is something you make specific to the organization or to the role. That is wonderful. Now, you've got an awesome CV that you're happy with. You've done the cover letter. You've applied for a role. You haven't heard back anything to see whether you're even in the next stage or not. Do you follow up? Good question. How long has it been? One thing would be, I always recommend people to give an Excel file tracker of the jobs they're applying. So Mm. just a basic hyperlink of maybe the seek um, job description. Just copy the job description, the date you applied, the role, um, because that would help you track. So if you haven't heard back in three weeks, four weeks, and it says the employer has viewed your profile, go to the employer, go to their website, go to their um, admin account, and just leave an inquiry that, hey, I've applied. I'm really Mm. interested. So write your cover letter a little bit as well. Summarize your cover letter a little bit. Summarize yourself a little bit. Attach your CV and cover letter again, I would say, because Mm. people are lazy. People are inherently lazy. If you contact me saying you've applied for an admin role with my company, and you don't attach your CV and cover letter, I wouldn't go back in my Indeed profile, find you all the way, and then reply. Spoon feed the recruiter, spoon feed the employers, put your CV and cover letter, and leave your number and say, I'm happy to take forward this conversation on a call, yeah. how I can contribute to your team. Okay, That's so after, after three weeks, is that is that too long? Like, do you think they would have found their ideal person by then? So, okay, I'll tell you the honest truth. <laughs> yeah, that's what we want. <laughs> okay, because you asked me just a question about follow-up. So I gave you a very okay, cool. um, diplomatic no, that's great. answer. That's good. <laughs> um, so if you are applying to big companies such as EY, Deloitte, KPMG, Oakland Council, like big, big firms or organizations or MPI, Ministry of Primary Industries, mm. et cetera, their recruitment process is very different. So they will advertise the role for 30 days. Potentially on the last week when the job search is about to expire, they'll start shortlisting, contacting, contacting shortlisted people. So you have that mm. three weeks. So um, you might hear back in three weeks after applying because that's just how it works. Big companies mm-hmm. have protocols, procedures. They're not going to, sometimes they do jump on, on, on if somebody applies and ATS says they're a 90% match, they might just pick up the phone and call you because they might be desperate to fill that position. Yeah, okay. But for example, the position that I applied, I'm also in council, is I had to wait for the job posting to close for mm-hmm. them to shortlist me call me mm-hmm. and then they did a phone interview and then they invited me into the um the their their offices mm-hmm. so different companies i would say three weeks for big companies i would say mm-hmm. um and usually these big companies and corporations or organizations have um their hrs on linkedin so you don't have to send an email you can actually just send a linkedin message mm-hmm. and see what happens there However, these bit small companies like startups and um, and medium-sized companies, they would um, usually the um, average time that anybody will start, uh, you know, will start the shortlisting process within two weeks. So if you hear back after two weeks, good, you're shortlisted, you still have chance. That's why I tell people, apply to jobs that are fresh. If mm. you go on and it says job was posted 25 days before and it is a medium-sized company, I would say don't apply. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of your time. But if it's like a big corporation, like mm. EY, Deloitte, whatever, whatever, apply mm. because you You're still, still have in. time given. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So it's um, it's a bit of a thing, a bit of a weird process. And always remember, you can apply to um, let's say a hundred uh, roles, right? Mm. 
Mm. But only maybe out of that 10% people get shortlisted for the first phone interview. Mm. Then the percentage drops to maybe 7, 8 or 5% for the second. And then for fine, or, or some in big fours, if 500 people are applying, 2% people are invited to an interview. So mm. if you get rejected, you need to know that there's increased competition at the moment. There's layoffs happening. There's recession. So there are more people competing in the market. So mm. what my always recommendation is keep applying, keep a tracker, but don't lose hope. Don't just, um, you know, don't just feel like it's the end of the world if one company sent you a rejection. Or if mm. a lot of times you get rejection in the middle of the night at seven mm. or in the more seven in the morning, and you might be like, oh, who's awake at this time? Well, it's the hiring software that's awake at this time. Wow. And with the hiring software as well, that they won't just send you an immediate rejection. You apply and you get a rejection. They will send you within two, three days or a week to make it look more genuine. and authentic. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. I'm curious to know when you apply for a role, let's say through the, that system, or the company's using that system to give them the scores and so they can shortlist. And it's been three or four weeks. You haven't heard anything at all. Is it common to hear, hey, you didn't make the next round? Or do they just not respond at all? Because, I mean, I've, I've applied for jobs over time. And I'm hearing it a lot now with my clients and, and people in the community as well. Is like, yeah, I, I've been applying for jobs and... It's been however many weeks and I haven't heard anything, like not even a no. Is that common? So a lot of times um, recruiters do ghost you. They do. Mm. And I myself have been guilty of that because sometimes it's so busy, you know, mm. uh, uh, if you're, um, and I, I try not to do that, by the way, I'm sure people hearing that will be like, yeah, you did it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of times it's really hard to get back to each and every candidate. So if they have ATS, ATS will like, send a general email and it's automated but if mm. say it's a startup and they don't have ATS and it's only one person mm. um doing the shortlisting they're also doing the payroll they're also doing the everything for sure. everything so it's, mm. it's just human you know you can't do everything and that's what mm. the HRs usually feel a lot of pressure as well yeah. um I would say 50% of the companies do say send no but 50% don't even bother which is why you can follow up as much as you want you definitely follow up once and but if mm. you don't hear back then it's probably not going to happen. And I would say just stop wasting your energy on that and move on. Mm-hmm. So for example, all the companies that I've applied, so many of them I've applied, I haven't heard back from a lot of them. I remember mm-hmm. I applied to um, ACOM, I remember, in, in after the Delta variant went away. And mm-hmm. I never heard back. I still haven't heard a no. <laughs> and they still haven't. I know they use ATS, but maybe they never issued that press that sent yeah. rejection. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So what kind of experience do you have or advice would you give for a person who there's a role that they really want, like really, really dream job kind of vibes, and they're willing to go above and beyond to get this position? Do you recommend that or what is your experience with that? And by this, I mean, for instance, myself, I was working in radio. I was 18 years old. I was doing promotions down in Dotsadoa Media Works and a role came up in Auckland and I really wanted this role. So what I did is I applied the traditional way. I did the CV, cover letter, all that stuff. I was already in working for the company. So I was an internal and I, at the same time, I made a, CD because obviously it was radio I made a um, it was for the Edge radio station and I made my very own Edge mixtape 
And it was like, it was a CD and I did it on this cardboard cover and I made it look really cool. And then I had a CD inside of it, which was all of my like on-air voice breaks and stuff that I'd compiled. So it was kind of like a CD or an audio CD. Basically. Yeah, 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 pretty much. And then like the, the outside of this cover, long story short, it was something physical that I had to send to them that they had to open and be like, wow. So that is what I mean by something that's like above and beyond standout. Got that job, by the way. So it worked. Is that something that if this is like your dream, dream job and you really want to make yourself known to them, do you recommend that for people or is that just, where are we at with that? 100%. I would say if it's your dream, dream job, I'm not, I'm actually, I'm just going to pivot from that question a bit Mm -hmm. and say, I was a person who landed her dream job and fell into depression because of it. So I do not believe in dream jobs anymore yeah. um, because I feel like dream careers. And I think Francis Cook actually posted a TikTok or something uh, or a reel a few days back as well about it is that you should have a job that makes you happy, gives you enough time to spend time with your family and maintain your sanity, I would say. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times we do get, get dream jobs and then we get under so much pressure that we have to work really hard nights <laughs> weekends and stuff just to go to the next level up right yeah well i'm not a big believer of dream jobs i don't think okay, they exist. Yeah. but if somebody has a dream job which is awesome love the energy um i would say yes if you can find somebody in that company that you know let's say for mm-hmm. example you might have met somebody in a university orientation who came to give a lecture or or, or, or somebody who came to give a lecture in a university mm-hmm. and you remember them so you can contact them on linkedin hey mm-hmm. i was uh, you know you attended a lecture at aut and you talked mm-hmm. about this and i really enjoyed um hearing about it and now i'm applying for a role in the company you're in um and just wanting to know um about the internal processes and more about the company. So don't ask them for a direct reference, but mm-hmm. ask them to catch up over a cup of coffee. And I'm sure there'll be a lot, 90% of that people say, I will definitely talk to the HR and put a mm-hmm. word. Mm-hmm. That's the way to go. The yeah. second is radio. Like take your advice, give an audio, um, um, audio. It makes sense, audio. right? <laughs> yeah. So if you're like, for example, an architect, right? Mm. If you're an architect um, or architectural designer or an interior designer, I would say create a portfolio and drop it on their uh, reception. Go and personally mm. drop it if you can create a copy of it. So because that's you showing passion and that also shows them, wow, this person is really interested. They, they came all the way if it's in your city or career to them, your mm. portfolio. Or sometimes um, a lot of marketing professionals or digital marketing professionals, they create a VIX website because VIX yeah. is a, a, a unpaid for right. yeah. yeah. mm-hmm. And they can send them a link to their website. So mm. that also really helps. So when I hire designers for my business, that really helps me to see their visual language mm. and what their creativity is, what they're, what they're good at. Mm. So it's really good if you can give some sort of portfolio that always, always helps. Oh, and it's, for me, it's just so much fun doing it. You know, I remember um, when we first moved to Rotorua, my partner was applying for a part-time marketing role. And so he wanted to put together this like little video of, because part of this role would be doing like video marketing for this company. And so he wanted to put together this little video and all this kind of stuff. And it just allows you to kind of like get this feel for the role. And I find that really fascinating what you said about dream job, because when I was 18 years old, that wasn't my big dream life job but it was like this is the stepping stone to help get me there and then of course 
um, what is it, four or five years later, I'm completely out of the radio industry. But if it wasn't for that and for all those different roles and opportunities, it wouldn't have led me here I am today. So mm. I also think like your your dream is forever evolving and what you yeah. said before about having to like you land this dream job and then you feel you have to overwork da 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 just to prove yourself to me that's like well let's do some confidence work there let's do some self mm. you know some self love work there to be able to work on that because that is I guess a choice you know and it could be a choice in us not having enough confidence in ourselves or enough boundaries yeah. to better be like hey. I'm only paid 40 hours a week, right? I'm happy to do like up to 45, but other than that, I'm going home. I want yeah. my partner to cook me dinner, right? And I want yeah. to spend time with him. <laughs> yeah. And also, I think one of the things that a lot of people, um, um, especially Indians or Asians, we are so inculcated with like so much pressure. And I'm sure a lot of other um, yeah. European and Caucasian people feel as the same, but people mm-hmm. who come from very strict upbringing, and child. Yeah childhood right where it's too disciplined and you have to get a pluses and you have to get a dream job you have to be especially as an Indian you have to be an engineer or a doctor or a lawyer or accountant (laughs) I ended up being an engineer no choice (laughs) no my parents are amazing you know you sort of um brought up in such a way that you have to these are the norms and this is what this career looks like so for example my as a doctor she's a psychiatrist so she's like up level high in the Indian community right so but if if as an Indian and I can only speak for Indians is Hmm. you want to be an artist oh people would not be you know or or let's say me being an Indian like I left my high-paying job I got as a grad great one biggest the biggest company in Australasia and I left that job because I was very depressed I was very Hmm. upset with my life choice and, and I stuck to that job for a year because I thought I cannot let my parents down yeah like, what would people say you know because that's a big thing what would people say what will my my uni friends say that I landed my dream job I'm getting paid they're paying for my accommodation everything was paid and I'm just leaving this job and people told me you're insane I got told yeah I'm stupid was the word that was told to me a lot of times mm. and and I, I regret sticking to that job for a year to be honest for sure I regret mm-hmm. I said I should have got the guts to leave earlier because mm-hmm. a job does not determine my passion my abilities and what I'm capable of and leaving that job actually um, sort of empowered me to do to uh, I actually ended up getting in the same industry again how toxic of me right <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not a great role, role model it, it's sometimes like, it takes a while to learn the lesson okay it's yeah, all good it was the job I thought it was the company but it wasn't the company it was the interesting that was the problem wow. unfortunately mm. so I went back again thinking that previously I was in Wellington then I thought I'll come back to Auckland and I was like I'll be close to my friends my best friends are here I'll go like uh, you know don't breathe and stuff on the weekend I'll have company and I'll feel better but oh boy I was wrong same wow. thing same shit but just a different layer <laughs> of depression <laughs> which was um which was really 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 an eye-opener that okay this is the industry that's not working for me it's not the job or the company um it took a long time for me to get out of that um so I would definitely tell somebody if if you don't feel it here in your heart if you go to work crying or you go to work and you say what the f am I doing here like I cannot deal with people here I cannot Mm -hmm. deal with this job or this is so boring or this is just you know not my dream passion but I need to pay the bills Yes, but the sooner you act on changing your career, 
the better it is. Because if you prolong being their industry, it'll be really hard for you later down the road to change careers. Mm-hmm. So yeah, because and it you, was, get like, mm, you get more reliant. You get more reliant on that salary. One, right? If yeah. you see this one industry and then you suddenly want to go in the other. So for example, you might be a marketing graduate going in data science, which happens quite a lot, but data science is up and coming now. A lot mm-hmm. of people are moving. Um, if you have 10, five to 10 years of experience in marketing and you're going in data science, you're going to have a hard time changing. Mm-hmm. But let's say you're a fresh grad or one or two years in the industry and changing into data science, it'd be easier for you to explain that change. Mm-hmm. That, hey, I taught marketing, amazing, but not my cup of tea. And that's why I'm going into data science. I think that's really interesting. And that's what I help a lot of clients with is people who have come to the realization that they're not happy within the organization or like the industry that they're in and they mm-hmm. want to change industries. So I'm curious to hear how, you know, we've got this CV, we've got this cover letter. The CV is predominantly the industry that we've been in for, let's assume, a really long time, right? But you want to change. How would you go about, so say, if you're going from being, let's say, a lab assistant, so like science-y type stuff, into wanting to do project management, let's say, for a startup? How okay. would you how would you articulate or what's that process of being able to get to the point where like you even get an interview, right? Because mm-hmm. there's, you know, all the elements of the CV and stuff that have to then identify you as possibly being suitable before mm-hmm. you even get to the point where you get to explain why the change. Yeah. Good question. So if you're a lab assistant, I'm assuming you have a science or an engineering degree. Um, and engineers usually are very versatile. Mm-hmm. And not that I'm not just saying because I'm an engineer, I have to validate myself. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I have a very weird sense of humor. So sorry. I love to it. I love um, it. It's because engineers are quite versatile. You know, we're very analytical, but at the same time, we do are very good under pressure. And we also manage certain parts of business. So if you're a lab assistant, if you've got a science and engineering degree, you do have a leg up in that area, you could talk about your problem solving and how you will help their business solve a certain problem with their product um, launch Mm. or project launch or project management. The other thing I would say is do some certifications. If you can find like an international body, so there might be some like Institute of Project Managers in New Zealand, Australia. If you can sort of invest in a degree, not a degree, but like a certificate from there, it's really good. If you can maybe, for example, contact a little bit of uh, some of the startups and their product project managers and sort of ask them to be your mentors in the industry mm-hmm. that's also mm-hmm. they can also guide you on how you can navigate this career change and the other thing is sometimes i tell people to volunteer there's a lot of organizations in new zealand like red cross even un women the mm-hmm. uh, well i just only knew two but <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot there is there's a lot of them um and you can contact them that hey i would like to be your project lead a project manager I want to volunteer if you mm-hmm. have any campaigns or anything coming up I would love to put my hand forward mm. contact a university oh my god university student associations are always looking for volunteers always rolling out some project or the other so try mm-hmm. to gain that experience through volunteering so that you have that um, something to put on your CV relating to that mm-hmm. and then you can take it forward I would say okay that mm-hmm. is wonderful This has been such an epic conversation. There have been so many incredible insights and I feel like we could just keep talking, but, you know, in in respect of podcast timing and, you know, all that good stuff, um, we'll wrap up for today, but I will absolutely 
look forward to having you back on the show again uh, mm -hmm. as, you know, the episodes progress and as you get, you know, further along in your business as well and, you know, new updates on whether it's CVs, cover letters, AI, all that good stuff around helping us to be in industries and in careers that we enjoy not necessarily dream jobs but things that we do enjoy doing that we're happy to trade our time uh to to be in so thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today of course happy to come back again people just scream out my name just scream my name and she'll get me again now. Yeah, 100% happy to come back. And thanks for inviting me. I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, it was effortless. And it was amazing. 